Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Forrester CXCast. This is your host, Sam Stern, and I'm joined in studio by my colleague, Vice President, Principal Analyst, Mike Facemeyer. Hi, Mike. Hey, Sam. It's good to talk to you this week. Thanks for coming in. And on the phone, we have Katie McMahon, the VP and General Manager at SoundHound, and a speaker at our Customer Experience Forum next week in New York. Hi, Katie, and thanks for joining us. Hello there. Looking forward to next week. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Uh, So, Katie, I thought... um, to get us started off, a little bit about who you are. Can you tell us about your role at SoundHound and maybe a little bit about your background? Yeah, thank you very much. So, yes, I'm Katie McMahon, and I am our VP and GM. I focus heavily on strategic partnerships, our consumer business, and what's been most exciting in the journey with SoundHound has been the build-out of our vision to we kind of use an internal term here, to houndify everything. <laughs> and what that really means is to put a voice interface to the connected world around us. Mm. So while many people have heard of SoundHound Inc. in terms of our music product, the music recognition app, we most recently in the last year and a half have unveiled technology creation that took 10 years in building in our stealth lab and brought that out. And I think we'll probably spend a lot of our time today talking about Hound and the Houndify voice platform. Yes, we definitely want to get into how you're uh, houndifying the world. First, just for a bit of background for our listeners, for those who won't know. Yes, thanks. So the, the company's nearly 12 years old, and it was founded out of a Stanford dorm room by Kayvon Mahogere and two other co-founders. And Kayvon really had a vision that, hey, we're going to speak to our computers one day. Hmm. And today that's very obvious, and it happens to be the hottest field being AI and voice interfaces. But back then, it was definitely futuristic, if you will. Yeah. He also had the prescience of knowing this is going to take a long time because the science that it will need to be grounded in um, is is non-trivial. And this is the reason why there is a very high barrier to entry in, in the industry landscape for a platform that can provide all the key ingredients, such as automatic speech recognition and natural language processing, um, developer tools, et cetera. But in that very beginning, the company's passion was always about ultimately using the air out of our lungs to speak to, at the time, maybe our computer, increasingly our mobile phones. And along the way, we had uh, Sing Hum recognition engine. So we were able to productize an experience where you can sing and hum and be told what it is. Mm. And then came out with our music recognition, which is a different set of technology whereby you can name a song an artist by capturing, you know, 10 or 15 seconds of that sound sample. So our, our first product and the many years of building a user base um, comes from that music domain of SoundHound. And all along in our back stealth lab, we had a team of scientists and engineers. And I emphasize scientists because when you're dealing in areas of acoustic modeling and, and language modeling really it requires expertise level that goes into the frontiers of, of how do we do things groundbreakingly mm. and let alone get them all the way up the chain, it all the way up to the chain to productize because right. there are a lot of points of failure <laughs> and then there are moments where we make major breakthroughs. And it, it's interesting, you know, a lot of us know SoundHound and know the consumer application that came out, but it sounds like your intent uh, or the intent of the company from day one was 
to enable other folks to make use of or for you to deliver a service for other folks to be able to make use of speaking to computers, uh, that, that true human to computer interface. How long has that service been building? And, and is it just that we as a, uh, as a consumer market are finally, or as a developer market are finally realizing the power of this? Or, or what has changed in the industry such that it is now a very viable thing? Is it the advent of, of things like the Amazon Echo or what has made it viable in the industry today? several macro level things happening. Mm. We walk around with devices that have compute power that are connected and, and give us that access for cloud connectivity, right? So that's something that had to have happened for us to be able to bring out a consumer product called Hound, which is a voice search and assistant experience, but to make the timing right, if you will, for the platform to be in demand. And by that I mean, and to speak to your very first point in the question, what we've done differently is we built for, in many ways, democratizing or creating what we call collective AI. We believe that everyone should have access to be able to put a voice interface, but also importantly, access the AI that's getting built up. Hmm. So currently, and I speak to them with great deference. So if I say the giants, Amazon with Alexa, Google with, with Google's Assistant, Apple obviously with Siri and, and others. So the giants have what we would consider a very much gated ecosystem. SoundHound has taken a very specific architecture to enable everyone to flourish by owning their own end users, owning their data, even owning their whole branding essence. So, for example, we, we power and enable partners to create their own wake word, right? Why, why should you, uh, as a Fortune 50 company, or you as a small developer in Malmo, Sweden, be forced to take a wake word that really doesn't resonate with you whatsoever, and even worst case, could potentially put you into the dragon's lair of, in the event that your product is wildly successful, that data is getting... Is, is known and what would stop a, a giant from going in and just taking you out. So, so the Houndify platform is an enabling platform that provides all the tools for developers and companies of consequence that know that this is the next era of human computing interaction, right? It's going to be freeform, meaning I'm not looking down and touch, type, and swipe as my only paradigm of interaction. I want to be able to get into a car and speak to that car hands-free, just fluidly, and ask, you know, navigate me to the nearest Italian restaurant open right now within five miles of the Golden Gate Bridge and have it just work. That's an interesting point you'd mentioned in the car. And, and so my perception is, is there are places that are really, really good for talking to computers and places that are, are, are equally as terrible, obviously, uh, or at least in my mind, I, I, I don't feel this would work uh, in the middle of a football game just because of all the mm -hmm. ambient noise around and, and, and picking up other, other sounds. And, and a car is probably ideal. Is that right? Is that, is that a valid set of assumptions? And where are we seeing voice really take off today? And, and, and do you see that changing over time? Yes. So I would support your premise that in-car is a most obvious mm -hmm. place where adoption is a must-have. And uh, I would validate that through our own activity amongst major auto industry interests. 
Mm. Because remember, brand and the essence of that maker of a product, be it an automobile or a refrigerator or connected speakers or your app, they ultimately want control of it. It might in the near term be fun to have a halo effect of maybe I'll bolt on Alexa, but we don't see that scaling in a way of consequence for the core owner of customers and product. So in-car is the place where we foresee a step change in user experience, where historically, five years ago, people would be complaining uh, that a feature that was advertised as a a true differentiator of model ABC, getting that car realistically, five months later, were they using that feature? And and most Mm -hmm. likely, the answer is no. And when you dig into, well, why not? It's because of the broken promise. And in fairness, we could look towards Apple as an example of what I would qualify as a very rare misstep in product marketing from that extraordinary company whereby the promise, kind of the TV ads promised an experience that fell flat to the user. It would require an early adopter apologist to know Hmm. and make Siri work in the way that you wanted it to work because you already knew where it would fall over. And then mass market didn't even move across that hurdle yet just because they, they wrote it off. It was a failed promise. That said, the series gotten a whole lot better. But using that as an example of accelerating on scaling, when you look at the verticals or the domains of use, right, stock, weather, navigation, currency conversion, unit conversion, local search, each one of these things I'll refer to as domains. And again, coming back to AI, each one of the sets of domains has data and knowledge in it to be mined out and then ultimately harnessed for the end user experience, right? So something that we're really proud of with our platform is we have over 150 domains live and available to our platform users as well as inside of Hound. And why that's remarkable is that when the the likes of even Siri or Google's experience through OK Google, we offer a set of domain experiences that dwarfs their experiences, and um, it, it's really compelling. Perhaps I, I, I could dive in and even just show you an example of that. That would be great because, you know, one of the questions I was going to have is you, you talked about the industry giants, and my mm-hmm. understanding is they will push the edge that they have simply on volume of data, mm-hmm. volume of spoken word, mm-hmm. volume of translations, volume of speech-to-intent transformations mm-hmm. that they do, but you mm-hmm. can focus on the domain-specific nature of a lot of these things. And so, yeah, so if you have an example of it, I think that would be outstanding to kind of show off uh, where we're going. <laughs> okay, let me, do, let me do a really simple example, but then you, you've brought up two points that I need to make sure I share, and, and that's going to refer to our speech-to-meaning technology and then our, our ability to do the deep meaning understanding. And I'll unpack those two terms, but let's just pull up Hound, which is you know, it's a free app. It's, on, it's live on iOS and Android. So if I open up the Hound app, I can either tap, a button to activate it, or I can say that the wake word, which I'll do, and I'll launch right into an example. Let's say I've got a team member in, in Tokyo and in London, and I want to figure out what time is best to have a conference call, and I think it's sort of late afternoon my time. Okay, Hound, what time is it in Tokyo and London when it's 4 p.m. here? It is 8 a.m. the next day in Tokyo and 12 a.m. the next day in London when it is 4 p.m. in Santa Clara. So the answer was there when I finished speaking the query. What makes this really magical is that we have combined the steps that everyone else has done to date, and this is the giants. The the way um, this whole realm of a a voice interface has worked, 
is a two-step process. The first step is speech recognition transcribing. So what exactly did you say? Transcribe yeah. that into text. And once that text is an output, that would be put into the NLU, the Natural Language Understanding Engine. Now, if there's an error in the first engine, you're a little bit dead in the water in the second, right? There's also latency, and it ultimately for the end user, it's a little bit of a slower experience. So we looked at this problem uh, many years ago, and no one in the field would say, well, it wouldn't be a genius idea to combine these two steps, but we did it. And we've coined this process speech to meaning. With that in mind, as, as folks start to use a service to voice enable the things that they want to do, are we starting to see that happen more in different places and in different industries and in different verticals? Where should we expect to see voice uh, start to benefit uh, companies uh, in their interactions and creating customer experiences for their customers? It will show in the most obvious industries that are consumer electronic, anything that's playing in the space of an IoT product or service, automotive, and those that play in mobile apps. And very obvious to us, but not yet mass market, robotics. Hmm. So it isn't trite to say that this touches everywhere, including companies that we've never even heard of um, have come to us who wants to houndify their back office supply chain or their field workers process flow. So there are so many good thinkers out there realizing, gosh, a, a voice interface could increase the efficiencies in my workflow or my operations supply chain, et cetera. And um, again, that's why we're in a very exciting place to be offering really a way to say, we want your product to be successful. That's our, that's our mission here. Mm. We've got 35,000 developers who have um, come onto the Houndify platform. We're actively working directly with hundreds of those, and that can afford certain companies with very customized solutions, access to some of our engineers to help them speed through their projects or help craft experiences, which in fairness, with some industries, it, you know, it might take a year, two years, three years before these revolutionary new experiences ship because of just how important and big these, these projects are. Other projects can be done over the weekend, if you will, and, and I'll bring that back down to more like a, a human developer level and share a little story. We had a happy hour in our main mess hall one Friday, and the developers got around and said, wouldn't it be fun to, to build a just a simple guess-your-number game? And that morning, there was new code checked in, and again, our founder CEO himself, incredibly technical and part architect of many aspects of our platform, checked this code and, and noticed that a brand new little game had been placed in there, you know, and it gives the um, example here by where we're, we're a conversational interface as well, right? If I said, um, I want to play blackjack. Blackjack, you have $5. How much do you want to bet? All of it. Okay, $5. Your hand is 7 and 8, which totals 15, and the dealer is showing jack. Say hit or stand. Hit. Hit. Your hand is now seven, eight, and ten, which totals twenty-five. Uh, and the is showing jack and two, which <laughs> There you go, right? <laughs> but this is so great because if I go back in, I've lost. I must have no money, right? <laughs> I'd love to play blackjack. Blackjack. You have one hundred dollars. How much do you want to bet? And I can go from there. So we start you off with a hundred dollars, but it knew that I had 
busted, right? So um, again, in that example, I'm showcasing yet another one of our differentiators that we offer a natural conversational interface. What's the monthly mortgage on a $950,000 house? What is the down payment? 25%. Okay, using a down payment of 25%, what is the mortgage period? 30 years. Okay, using a mortgage period of 30 years, what is the interest rate? 3.75. Okay, using an interest rate of 3.75%, your monthly mortgage payment is $3,299.70. Fantastic, this is interactive, but wait a second, what if I want to go, how about for a million dollar house? Okay, using a home value of $1 million, your monthly mortgage payment is $3,473.37. It retains those data points. So here you go. Like this stuff is now leapfrogging to the next level, where where people really need to be able to have a conversation, just like we're having. And yeah, so that's really cool. And and I know one of the biggest barriers to get to this point was being able to have a back and forth conversation and maintain kind of state, mm-hmm. maintain state mm-hmm. that we as humans do just naturally. But computers have to be told a what is the context mm-hmm. that defines state, and then how long to retain mm-hmm. it, and what does it relate back to. What's the next hurdle that we overcome? Rolling out technology at a global level, which has a consistent user delight factor. So are you saying multi-language? That's right. But that, from our perspective, is time and resource, and it's no longer a science problem, if you will, right? So it's a matter of collecting the data, training the models, and being able to hone sets so that you feel that the experience is now up to par, right? And we think deeply about this. We've launched Hound in the U.S. We have new territories that are strategically important, and we have strategic partners that we're delivering for in those regions to be able to get to market. But I zoom out to a global lens. It's certainly non-trivial just to easily roll this stuff out, if you will. But I think your other question, if you ask that to anyone else, I think they would have to be, fair and saying, gosh, it's it's really challenging to know what state to go back into. To your earlier question or, or yeah. your point, knowing the different states, right? Like, how do you know what I'm talking about? Katie, one final question from us, and this has been really interesting. Is there a, um, you know, sort of science fiction view of the future that seems plausible to you? You know, a lot of the things you've been talking about harken back to me to the movie Her, where there's just this natural language conversation with real personality on the side of the uh, the voice interface back to humans. And I wonder, do you see that as plausible? Is there some other vision of the future that you think is, you know, sort of animates what SoundHound is driving towards? Yes, I think there are areas that, and we certainly really welcome this bolting on to the, the wider collective AI ecosystem. And it is things that are out there today, like iris recognition, true biometric recognition, such that it's true voice recognition, right? All these elements will help build out a future where it's increasingly seamless. When it comes to the emotional factor, will machines learn emotion? And is there a future whereby there's truly um, human and machine interaction is so incredibly blurred? I and of the camp that the essence of human love is not easily structured data. And Hmm. stuff requires some good structured data. Okay. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. Listeners, you heard for the first time ever on CXCast a back and forth between a voice interface and a human. 
Uh, very cool. And Katie, we will see you in New York next week on Wednesday. Katie will be speaking on our main stage talking about how voice AI will redefine the future of customer experience. We're very excited to have you there, Katie. Thank you for joining us. Fantastic. Thank you both very much. And listeners, we'll post links to the forum and to some of the related research in the show notes. And we thank you, as always, for joining us on CXCast. And Mike, thanks for uh, co-hosting with me this week. Thanks, Dan. Okay. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Remember, your customer's perception is your customer experience reality.